0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the AI Premier League Preview Pod the day after the Reds failed to capitalise on Man City's defeat to Newcastle, yet still somehow ended the night five points clear at the top of the table. So it could be worse, obviously. But on tonight's pod, we'll be looking ahead to to Monday's game as Klopp's side head to London to take on West Ham. So joining me on the pod this week, I'm delighted to welcome on AI contributor Jay Reid and freelance journalist for Surelis, Vice and a whole host of others, Tom Victor. Welcome, guys. Now, good to speak with you. Good to meet you guys. Um, Tom. I mean, just to bring you in immediately. Um, sort of start with West Ham a little bit, and um, yeah, you know, this is the time of year that you know it's deadline day, January thirty first. People having a look at their phones, you know, we look at the timeline to see exciting signings, things being announced. Um, there's been a lot of sort of sort of mocking for Newcastle sort of signing on, Um, of course, in, in this window, lots of people sort of claiming never to have heard of him, all that stuff. Um. A fantastic little v- video from Burnley with uh, a robot and Peter Crouch, which of course was very heartwarming, <laughs> things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, uh, just first and foremost, before we get into sort of West Ham and how you've been doing lately, um, no action for you guys this window apart from Reese Oxford going off on, uh, online.
0: Um, yeah, so I guess we did our main business the first day of the window with Samir in- Nasri coming in, but that was, that was a deal which everyone had kind of Imagine was going to happen for a while before that. He'd been training with the club for a few months. Um, and yeah, Reese Oxford, it's not really happened for him this season. I think Pellegrini told him that Carton alone gets some football. He's gone to Augsburg. He's playing, going to probably be playing regularly for them. Uh, certainly more regularly than he is for West Ham. And yeah, it looks like all the other potential deals are not going to happen for us. But then again, the the main deal, I guess, is Anatolij staying at the club. So that's yeah, yeah, you know, one that people say is pretty as good as a But well, we'll see.
1: No, of course, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get on to talking about Anatolij. I think it's it, it's sort of hard to hard to avoid him. E- hmm. Either when you're sort of previewing the game, or either way, you're just talking about sort of generally just how West Ham are going to be doing for the remainder of the season, how they've been doing so far, anyway. But mm-hmm. a, a difficult start to. To the new year of course so just one win in four uh, games in the league this January but um, yeah, even though you're coming into this game on, on Monday off the back of three consecutive losses and we can definitely you know, have a lot of fun with the whole 4-2 yeah. loss to Wimbledon as well <laughs> uh, especially the fact yeah. that of course we all know that our friend Sam Diss was there covering the game uh, and finding new yeah. ways for West Ham to, to, to disappoint him um, He was watching in the Wimbledon end as well wasn't he? He was yeah he, yeah. he was he, he was going to capture the magic of the cup and inadvertently mm-hmm. caught the magic of west ham again um <laughs> but yeah, i mean you you could easily argue that if you look at the squad you know, one of the most talented squads uh, in years it in of perhaps the players are some of them are a bit past their their best but if you look at all of them when when fit uh, it, it is a talented group of players uh, you could even argue uh, as well, one of the more progressive managers you've had in years. You did have David Moyes at the club. You, you have had Sam Aladdis at the club, of course. Um, and then, yeah, as you mentioned as well, you even managed to sort of end January, uh, keeping hold of that one-to-way star, uh, you know, in terms of Marco Anatovic, you know, he was obviously keen to leave and he, he's ended up sort of staying at the club, of course. Um, but before we get onto that, I just want to ask you what you've made to this start to 2019, um, and, and what you think's been behind sort of the, um, inconsistent or sort of poor results in form?
0: Um, I suppose the fix of this hasn't really helped. We had a, a very kind of welcoming run of games in November into December, which was when we went on you know, a, a good winning run that maybe gave a full sense of what the squad was capable of. There's a lot of injuries at the moment. We've seen Pellegrini uh, complaining about having, I think it's something like 15 fit senior players at the moment. Um so I think it's that it's it's really kind of um all the injuries and all the the unavailability of some pretty important players just coming back to kinda bite West Ham showing how thin the squad really is and obviously the lack of signings today with us being down one player today. It'll be interesting to see whether you know whether we're gonna be able to welcome players back in the next few weeks and be able to, you know, rebound and Show what the squad can do when everyone's available.
1: Yeah, and if you look at those defeats as well, or look at the results in general, I mean, the 2 2 draw with Brighton right at the start of the year, um, or right at the start of the month, rather, it feels like the year's been going on for, for ages already, even though we're only sort of at the end of January. Then you had sort yeah. of the, uh, of course, the win over Arsenal, which was the one, I, I guess, if you're looking at all the fixtures, you probably didn't expect to pick up the points there, perhaps, but that that's what you did, of course. And then uh, followed up with a 2-0 loss to Bournemouth, and then, of course, the 3-0 loss to, to Wolves in your last game. Pride's coming into this one. and um, So if we cast our minds back to the start of the season then, uh, Tommy, and have a look at sort of the opening game of the season. Um, I think many people were looking at the way in which you guys played at the start of the season, even talking about Pellegrini as though he could be the first casualty of the Premier League season. um uh, but what have you made of him since then? Obviously, obviously he's rallied. Obviously, things had improved and he's managed, managed to get more out of certain players. Um, what have you made of him sort of as a manager around the club and, and then also as uh, the guys trying to change you uh, on the pitch?
0: Um, yeah, I think it's always going to be a bit of a challenge going from the sort of football West Ham playing under David Moyes to the manager who wants to play on the front foot. I think maybe he overdid that a little bit, both in the away game at Anfield and the, the home game at Bournemouth came straight after that um, and I mean I talk about the the injuries hitting the squad but bizarrely possibly one of the best things that happened to West Ham the season was Jack Wilshere getting injured which just allowed Declan Rice to move into midfield, gave a bit more solidity in there and allowed the attacking players to get forward more to actually express themselves a bit more knowing that there was a bit of you know, so, someone that's going to be there behind them to cover up for every time they lost the ball and to kind of link defence in the field, which Wilshire and Noble as a pivot really wasn't working. Um, and in, in terms of that first game, in terms of the game at Anfield, I think one man who didn't play, uh, in that match was Issa Job, who's been brought in as a starting centre back since, probably been one of the best performers at West Ham this season. I think again, that's, that certainly helped in terms of, Solid foundations and then allowing the likes of Felipe Anderson, uh, Snodgrass, Dean Garner coming to the team to support the attack.
1: No, yeah, I think they're, 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 there's plenty of exciting names there. I mean, I mean Jay, if, if, if I even ask you to sort of cast your mind back right up to the opening day, of course, that game against West Ham, um, you looked at the team, sheet, you, look, you looked at all those names that were, you know, uh, that West Ham ha- had brought in this summer, Wilshire being one of them, of course, that Tom mentions there. Um, sort of the completely unpredictable injury that Wilshire picked up—that's—that's that's, that's actually inadvertently helped them, of course. I mean, what do you remember of that game?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. See back, I was there that day uh, of the season opener. So I think was it three or four one? Four, four n-
0: n- four, nil, nil, I think. Yeah.
2: four nil. Yeah. Um, what I can remember was well, glaringly obvious, and I think uh, Tom just mentioned it. The midfield was anonymously there for West Ham in terms of. It was noble and Wilshire, and we, we had the free will and run them in the run of the midfield. We could push forward whenever we wanted, we could pass around them, we could drive through the middle of them. So as you've said, it's a uh, blessing these guys that you've lost Wilshire to an injury. But one thing that did stand out for me and it's become evident as the season's gone on is Felipe Anderson on that day was the one bright spot that you could see from the West Ham side and as the season progressed obviously he's become a mainstay and uh, one of the star players, and he was one that really did, like, light up for West Ham. He, he kept going, even though they were conceding goals, and you can see the result was only going one way. He was, he was determined to get his head down and prove to, obviously, his new fan base that he, he was there for the fight as well. So he, he was a good signing, and, um, one that if West Ham were willing to let him go, I would, wouldn't mind seeing him at Anfield, to be honest.
1: There you go. Yeah, I thought we'd we'd already gone to tapping out players. We're, we're barely <laughs> minutes into minutes It is
2: transfer deadline day after all.
1: It is exactly. Yeah. I mean, that would be, that would be absolutely audacious when it's, <laughs> someone trying try and pull that off. But, um, Tom, I mean, yeah, I, I guess it is worth focusing on that investment that was made in the summer a little bit. Um, you talk about the players who come in. You mentioned it's the DOP there, uh, and his importance to the team since coming into, the team. Yarmolenko, of course, who, who did start really brightly as well before picking up that horrible injury, uh, which, which is a real shame. Um, but Fabianski and, and, uh, Felipe Anderson and Diop then, I think those three stand out to me as your players who seem to have come in and, and made a real impact. Anderson, obviously the most, uh, glittering of impacts based on just his sheer ability on the ball. he's very exciting to watch, of course. Um, what have you made of those three then? Because I think Fabianski is an interesting one to start with because, yeah he's he's a keeper for for a long time. I thought he was better than where he was, and uh, now he seems to have given you a somewhat reliable um, pair of hands between between the posts. Really, even though he is, you know, thirty three, getting on a bit.
0: Um, yeah, I think I might have uh, said at the start of the season um, when I was when I was in the pod for the first game that I've always been a big fan of Adrian. I've always thought he's kind of had a bit of a tough time of it, especially with Joe Hart being brought in last season. Um, so I was pretty skeptical about Fabianski in terms of, you know, he's, he's been playing at Swansea for a few years. Why hasn't there been the interest from, or why, why hasn't, there why wasn't there more competition for him when he left? I think we got him for seven or eight million, which is, you know, it's a complete steal in this sort of market. Uh, but no, I've been really impressed with him. Um, he, you, you know what he can do in terms of shot stopping, but he's looked, he's looked like he belonged at West Ham. Pretty immediately after signing, and couldn't really have asked for more from him. I know people probably look at the goals and see the column and have some questions, but yeah, I'd say he's, you know, he's definitely in the mix in terms of, you know, the the best signing that we made this season. Even if when he arrived, we were thinking, do we need him? Um, But, in t- yeah, in terms of the three names that you mentioned there, I'd also add uh, Fabian Balboina to that as course, a, a bargain yeah. signing, um, who I think you've seen the last few weeks. He's been a player that we missed. Uh, it was for- 4
1: million, wasn't it? Just just 4 million years ago. Yeah,
0: 4 million from Corinthians. And, you know, when a player arrives in South America, kind of mid 20s, not not really had a chance to play anything resembling the Premier League, you have your doubts. Um I mean, I guess this is some of what we're seeing in terms of Almiron. I know he's, he's come from MLS, but he's, you know, a Paraguayan international as well. And people are saying, you know, do these players still need to prove themselves? And I think Albuin has done everything that he, that's been asked of him until picking up the injury. And yeah, we've seen, I think especially in the Wolves game, he, we needed someone like him to be up against their runners and up against their sort of fluid attack and yeah we uh we didn't have that with Bonnet who'd come in to replace him.
1: No of course and then you move on as well I think it's it's there's no point trying to avoid it I mean Jay mentioned there even the very first game of the season you could see the quality that that Anderson possessed um I, I guess I've been a little bit surprised by just sort of his tenacity in games as well there's been certain games I've watched him in where the work rate that he has gone through has surprised me. I wasn't entirely sure whether he'd have that to his game. Um, but what have you made of him this season? I mean, he he's obviously been, um, lots of doubts over sort of his focus as a player, I guess. Obviously, there were a couple of seasons ago, he had a real, real high point. Um, and lots of talk about, you know, having a big move to whether it be Man United, whether it be even Real Madrid, Real Madrid at the time. Um, what have you made of him this season and sort of how has he, how has he added to the team apart from the obvious, I guess, in terms of you being a, a fast, tricky, uh, wide forward?
0: Um, yeah, you talk about his tenacity. I think there was a point in the season, it might still be the case where he had the most goals for West Ham, but also the most tackles, which I think tells you, you know, the two sides of the game tells you the kind of contribution that we may be expecting and then the contribution we did not see coming at all. Um, and, the way that West Ham set up, uh, playing with, uh, Zavaleta on the right and either Cresswell or Masawaka on the left of the fence, having wingers who are able to help out their man for different reasons is, has been really important. And yeah, Felipe Anderson has, has been great in that sense, as you say, as well as what he's off in the final third. But, you know, it's already probably scored more goals than, then people, you know, people would have been happy with, with five or six of his first season. If he's contributing all round. he's come in. He's, you know, he's had a couple of games where if it wasn't for him, we'd have lost and we'd end up winning the match. Um, and he's just kept going. He's been the one constant this season. Whereas a lot of, whether through injury or through other reasons, a lot of West Ham's kind of front four have not really been off, been able to offer what he has kind of from August to January.
1: Yeah, no, and I, I, I think you, you're probably right to mention Diop as well. I mean, I thought when you signed Og Bonner, actually, that you were signing a player there who was going to be um, you know, clearly a talent who could potentially help you guys. But I'm, I'm, I'm hearing he's he, he's received quite a lot of criticism of late. He, he, he doesn't seem to be a fan favourite, or, or, or am I hearing that completely wrong?
0: Um, no, I think that's fair. Um, he, he's been a constant through, you know, he's signed... Uh, 15, 16 season, uh, on the pitch. He played his part in the, the run to seventh that season. And he's just kind of maybe trod water a little bit since then. Uh, he seems like a, a very likable person sort of around the club and, and off the field. But, um, I think yeah, maybe people have lost a bit of patience with him. He's not the quickest. He's never been the quickest. And that's maybe worked against him. Uh, but, you know, as much as, uh, as I'm a fan of his personally, I think, uh, you know, this This is a season he was supposed to be third-choice centre-back and he's maybe played a lot more than than West Ham would have liked, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're probably right there. And it's always hard to sort of criticise centre-backs who aren't sort of expecting to play, you know, being thrust into sort of the match action, of course, as well. But just one thing I, I did want to touch upon was, I think lots of people make a lot of you know, the, the sort of the off-pitch unrest that we've seen at West Ham, especially since you moved into the, into the London Stadium as well. Uh, we all remember the whole f- fantastic sort of catch-of-the-flag moment, of course, um, on the pitch. But um, since since Pellegrini's joined, or maybe you can tell me it even it started under Moyes or whatever, but um, there, there seems to be generally a, a, a better mood around the place um you, you can tell me I'm talking absolute bollocks if you if if, if you wanted to, but 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 generally speaking, it, it seems to be that way. Is that purely down to results, or is it the type of football that Pellegrini's trying to get you playing? Um, it, it, it does seem that there's there's at least been a sort of a, a, a pause to some of that sort of unrest that we have seen from time to time.
0: Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll give the caveat that I haven't been to as many games this season as as last. Um, For various reasons, but from what I see in the ground, it seems like there has been a bit more positivity, certainly starting from, I'd say, the Chelsea game earlier in the season. And, you know, some of the, some of the results like that, like beating Man United, have obviously been, they've obviously played their part in, you know, it's the, the better atmospheres under Village, under Noise were the games where we, we were doing it against teams that we weren't supposed to be beating. But at the same time, yeah, no, it feels like the sort of you know people talk of the West Ham way, and it, it's a lot, a lot, a lot of the time that's bullshit. But there is something to be said from playing football on the front foot, attacking teams, uh, giving the ball to people like Felipe Anderson, people like Ranulfitch, people like Yarmolenko when he was fit earlier in the season, who just their first, their first look is to make things happen, to, to look forward rather than pass it around, slowing play down. And I think that just that has to throw off in the fans. There's no way it can't really.
1: Yeah, and I, I think another player who's definitely sort of caught, uh, or definitely a fan favourite this season, um, uh, is is Declan Rice. And um, just the way in which he's developed for you this season. I mean, what have you made of his progress? Um, what is it about him as a player that we should sort of take notice of? And, um, and sort of, I guess, what's the ceiling for him in your opinion?
0: Yeah. So it's weird to think sort of a couple of years ago. Um, I think he made his first appearance in, the, in a match play squad on the bench around sort of boxing day 2016. No one knew who this guy was. They thought, oh, well, West Ham run out of players. They're picking regens for the squad or something like that. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah. So that just shows you how quickly. He's risen. Um, he made his debut the final day of that season. Last season, he went from playing one minute to playing, I think, 20, 25 games in the Moyes. Um, he was part of that back three last season. Um, obviously moved into midfield this year after the injuries to Wilshire and Carlos Sanchez. And there's, yeah, there's a bit of, it is a bit reminiscent of when we saw Rio Ferdinand come through at West Ham and play as a hodder midfielder. And there's the question of, you know, is that where he he ends up, or is he gonna be dropping back into centre back for the majority of his career? Um but yeah, Rice, he's like, just turned twenty, I think. And seems to just not be phased by age, by reputation, or anything like that. He's good on the ball, he's his positional sense is great for someone who maybe has two positions. Um uh, and yeah, defensively He's obviously very strong. And then, yeah, the one question mark was, is he going to contribute at the right end? And then, then came the Arsenal bell. So, yeah, he, it feels like whether it's at West Ham or whether he eventually decides he has to move somewhere else, uh, his ceiling is extremely high.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems as though, I I mean, I've been following this whole will he play for England, will he play for Ireland um, sort of saga that people are sort of very keen to, keen to create. (laughs) with a little bit of interest, I mean, he, he does strike me as, as, as sort of quite a similar player actually to sort of m- many players that I guess England have already, or types of players. But I, I, I'm just looking for sort of ways in which he 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 stands out to you. I mean, how 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 is he different to sort of the you, you think of the that England midfield that we saw at the World Cup or whatever in terms of um uh, was it Dyer and Henderson and, and, and those? Little, what is it about him that is 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 so, is so drastically sort of um, different in your opinion?
0: Um, yeah, I, I, would say the role that he would have in mind if he does declare for England is the one that Eric Dyer's been filling. Um, and he's, he just seems better on the ball than Dyer. He seems, uh, like more aware of his surroundings at a lot of times. He's, and, you know, he, he seems like a better option filling in at centre back as well already, I'd say. I know there's obviously a bit of bias coming into play here, but. I think there's already a case for including him in squads at the very least. He's playing regular first team football in the Premier League. Uh, if England don't act, then there's every chance he decides, you know, I could be starting every game for Ireland now. Don't want to do that. So yeah, I mean, I think he's he's already at the stage where if England were to call him up, it it wouldn't be a case of you know, who just guy like, what's he doing in the squad? It would be well, yeah, about time.
1: Yeah, you do feel like that under under Southgate as well. He'd definitely get the opportunity quite early on as well if he mm. was to declare. Yeah, I guess I, I, I guess that's one to watch as well. And, and I, just just before we get onto the actual sort of uh, your thoughts on how you think Pellegrini is going to approach Monday's game, really, I just, I just wanted to ask you right now. Then I guess what are sort of the expectations for the remainder
0: of the season? Um, it, it's going to be a weird one just because of the way the fixtures lie. We got to the point where you know. Going into the halfway point of the season, we had that great run. So, you know, we ended on a high. We've got the reverses of those games towards the end of the season. It could be the case that, you know, we're, I think, 11th now. We could drop down a couple of places, then go on a run, finish on a high and finish 10th. And it's just the manner in which we've ended the campaign that um it makes a difference. But there's, I mean, the other big question mark for the rest of the season is whether we're going to see Manuel Lanzini uh playing a West Ham shirt before sort of April May time. He's uh he set himself the target February when he did his ACL over the summer and having him back in the squad feels like something that could be a huge boost in terms of positivity around West Ham and that filtering through into performances and results. How far away is he currently? Um I think the last I heard was Either just started or about to start, sort of light training, but, you know, we've, we've had issues in the past with, I think Jack Hobson's the one that stands out of bringing players back quickly after that sort of injury. And then, you know, you realize a couple of years down the line, that was a mistake. So it's whether they decide we're going to take things a lot slower within this time. If the season, you know, if West Ham are effectively left with nothing to play for, we might leave it a little longer before bringing him back without having that sort of urgency, but, you know, I'm not in Pellegrini issues, so I don't, don't really know how he's gonna see it. It's gonna, a player that he hasn't really worked with as well, so depends how he looks at that.
1: Yeah, it seems like similar territory for us with, uh, with Ox as well. Lots mm-hmm. of people getting very excited over the next coming of weeks, I imagine, by Instagram content. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Instagram stories of training, doing sort of leg press machines, getting stronger every day in the shadows photos. I think we've, we've seen that already from Trent as well. So yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, I think we're in for all that with Lanzini, but yeah, there's, there's no doubt what he adds to the team and what, and what he gives you. Um, in terms of the, uh, coming into Monday's game, then you mentioned that you, Pellegrini has had all, the, all these injuries to deal with. What would be the main injury concerns for that game then?
0: Um, well, Altwich looks certainly set to miss this game, possibly right. a few more after. So, um, I mean, that's that's the big deal. In terms of the rest of our squad, I think the strikers have not really been chipping in with goals. I think. Hernandez and has maybe four and well, I don't think anyone else has, has more than that. So yeah, that, that's going to be the, the main issue, whether he goes with Carroll as the option there and tries to get his wide players attacking. That, that might be a different option. I there. could hear the
1: pain in your voice
0: <laughs> as you said, <laughs> I mean, <that> song. yeah. <laughs> no, it is no secret. Andy Carroll's not really, uh, offered too much this season. And as far as I can tell, I've just got the, BBC tab open. I don't think he's left today.
1: So. <laughs> Actually, looking at it with hope. With with, <laughs> with 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 hope, of course. Yeah. No. Okay. Then. So I mean, that's the obvious then injury concern there. the, the, the obvious worry. I mean, it's it's much easier I'd say to play a West Ham team without Marco it you know, than it is to play one uh, that does have an Natick. And I remember that first game of the season. He really did... Does pose a, a really difficult threat for defenders in terms of just the physical approach that he you know, is relentless throughout the entire game. He's, he's a lot to yeah. handle. So he's got the pace, he's got the trickery, um, a goal threat as well since he's moved into, into that position. Um, generally, then, how, how do you expect Pellegrini to approach Monday's game? Because you, you've seen uh, last night, of course, Leicester um, you know, really stuck to their approach when they came to Anfield, you know, their counter-attacking team mostly. Um you have plenty of players that allow you to do that as well. Um, Anderson being sort of the key one and Artovich um being out of course for the game. Um so do you think you'll take sort of encouragement from that and try to
0: adopt a similar approach? I think he'd like to, certainly. Uh I think his hand's gonna be tied a little by the players who are available to him. Um it, yeah, I mean I can't see a four four two kind of set up or anything resembling that. Um, which I think was the case in the open day. I think, um, it's a 442 or 4411. I can't quite remember. Um, so, you know, Anderson's always going to be available. The wide options are limited at the moment. It's, I think Nazri is still a doubt for this game. So it, it may be a case of, uh, using Antonio in a wide role, playing someone else through the middle because he's another option up front. And then just trying to attack high up the pitch through Anderson and Antonio out wide rather than through an after which centre as would have been the case if he was fit. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not sure how well that'll work, but I mean Liverpool backing a right back at the moment is probably gonna be the one sort of saving grace.
1: Yeah. No, no chance of Nasri getting a drip treatment to get him back into <laughs> into, into, into the fray. I had to, I had to. It, 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 it's probably happen every single game. Delighted to see him back, of course. But um, um, all right, then. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think it sounds like, as you imagine, a manager like Manuel Pellegrini would, would want to be more expansive. But if his hands are tied, he's probably going to go with a bit more of a bit more of a, of a conservative approach and try and pick his moments, I guess. But um, in terms of sort of what you saw of that Leicester game, or what you heard about the the, the Leicester game last night, um, are there areas in Liverpool's team at the moment where you think maybe we can get some joy by targeting uh, by targeting Liverpool in those
0: areas? Um, so uh, I saw some highlights in the game. I saw you know Leicester had plenty of chances, other than their goal as well. Um, and from kind of what I was seeing, comments from Liverpool fans, it feels like right back is the position that we need to be looking at, assuming Trent isn't back for this game. Um, I assume, uh, he's, he's, not going to miraculously sharpen the, on the team sheet on Monday night, but you never know. Um, so yeah, that, that's the target, whether it's Antonio, who's been playing there a bit, whether it's Anderson staying left. I think that's, that's where we're going to be looking. And, uh, we might find ourselves kind of in a position where it's a very lopsided game for whenever West Ham have the ball.
1: And just before I sort of take a break and then speak to Jay about Liverpool for a second, uh, um, uh, I just wanted to ask you what you thought of, um, or what you've thought of, of, of Liverpool season so far. We were trying to get sort of the perspectives of the rival fans who come on the show um, okay. th- throughout the season as well, just to, just to understand what, you, what you've made of us, because yeah, there have been plenty of flashes in the pan in terms of recent years <coughs> of, of, of Liverpool doing well, I guess, but um, this season, I'm going to you know, touch wood, but it feels a little bit different. Um, so I just, I just wanted to ask you what you've made of Liverpool's this season and I guess what stood out to you or which players have, uh, have stood out to you?
0: Um, yeah, so from what I've seen, it definitely feels different to, to 2014, both in terms of how Liverpool work and in terms of, uh, in terms of how their rivals look. Um, I think that that's the big thing. Like, obviously Liverpool have got a lot of what they did last year, but, you know, with with a full summer to prepare, kind of um, taking the form from the end of last season to the start of this very well. And um, obviously the, the Man United performance stands out, I'd say for me, in terms of uh, just knowing, Liverpool knowing their strengths, really, just knowing what it needs to do to, to beat the team that's in front of them. Uh, but also, yeah, Man City, it probably didn't seem the case earlier in the season, but they look beatable, they look not strong, and you're probably going to hate me for making this comparison, but City look like the City of 13-14 at the moment, where the only way they win the league is if someone hands it to them, and Liverpool do look less likely to hand it to them than they did then.
1: I'll tell you that, less likely to hand it to them than, <laughs> than we did I then. I think that's probably the best we can do for now, but Anyway, Tom, thanks thanks so much for all that insight on West Ham. We'll, we'll definitely bring you back in at the end just to get your predictions and get your thoughts on some key battles, I guess. Talking Liverpool, um, you had the chance to go seven points clear, Jay of Man City. Following that defeat to Newcastle, Rafford had helped us out, of course, and uh, then we turn up, the pitch is you know, half frozen, it, it appeared, and then we stumble to this 1-1 draw um, against, it has to be said, a you know, very competitive, very well-organised uh, Leicester side, they could easily have sort of capitulated after that early goal, but they didn't. Um, it did seem as though the Reds were below the standard we usually expected them this season. Um, I just wanted to ask you what, what your overarching opinion was of that, um, of, of the, of the game as, as a whole and the result and the performance.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, on the game, um, it was very surprising to see us perform like that given the break that we've had, but then also, I think it was last season, we did have a, a mid-season break as such, and we come back a bit sluggish. So maybe it's the, the old adage of you're better when you, you've got the momentum and we're playing two times a week or every three or four days that the momentum just keeps us powering through, really. But yeah, taking it back to the game. Um, obviously we started off sharply, um, got the early goal and, and from then on, you just, we really expected that we would just go on and cruise to a three or four nil victory or something like that, but it wasn't mm-hmm. to be the case. It seemed like we, we took our foot off the gas and also the, the atmosphere in the ground. I was there myself, but it seemed to have a, a nonchalant atmosphere. And however that was the, the weather conditions so that everyone was just a bit cold and didn't really get fired up for the game, but it seemed as though everyone just sat back on the laurels and okay, we're one nil up now. We'll, we'll take another one before half time and then we'll we'll wrap the game up in the by 65 minutes and we'll just cruise to a victory like we have done in previous games. But Leicester it seems to be in our team in terms of they'll turn up for the big boys. And then they seem to struggle against the lesser teams within the league. Obviously, we've seen the the big wins over the Christmas period against Man City and Chelsea and then they lose to Cardiff. So I don't think there will be a more frustrating team to be supporting at the moment other <laughs> than... Somebody who's struggling down the bottom, scraping for anything that he can get. But we, we were obviously disappointed. And I, I said myself last night on, on Twitter and stuff that there was a lot of negativity flying around that we had drew one all. Now, before the start of the week, we were four points ahead of Man City. Now we're five. So we've gained ground on Manchester City. So you've got to look at the bigger picture. There's 14 games to go and we're a point better off than what we were. Monday nights going into the week so you've got to take the positives from this and we've now got a a five day gap that Klopp can work with the lads and obviously we'll go to West Ham with a plan and then the game starts to ramp up over the next few weeks again we start to get the Champions League back and I think when we do get the Champions League back the crowd will seem to pick up as well obviously we're better for European nights as as proven over last season especially Um, but I think we, we just need to get that momentum of playing every three or four days. I think maybe that was the issue that we've, we've missed football, if that makes sense.
1: No, I think it makes complete sense. I mean, you've heard Jürgen Klopp. I mean, we, we, we've all heard Jürgen Klopp many times or go on about rhythm. He's, he's very big into rhythm for his players, um, for just the club and I guess momentum as well. And, and yeah, it had it, been a long time for us to wait, um, you know, Perhaps going off a warm weather training and then coming back to that wasn't exactly the best sort of preparation, of course. I know know we've been back for a while, but um, yeah, the conditions did seem tough as well. I just want to uh, touch on what you you mentioned there about the crowd, because it it was one thing I noticed from just watching on TV. I I wasn't able to go to the game, but watching on TV, it, it, it did seem as though... I didn't really pick up the, the the nonchalance that you mentioned there, but one thing I picked up you know, quite early on, you know, maybe thirty forty minutes in, when it did when it was clear that things weren't going to go you know the way that we perhaps had expected, uh, a, a real real anxiety in the stadium um, around sort of everything from miss hit passes, under hit passes, you know the odd loose touch here or there, um, even when when we had plenty of time left in the game to sort of you know, win it. Obviously, with hindsight, we know we didn't go on to improve and, and snatch it, but um, it, it did strike me that that seemed a little bit odd to me. Do, do, do you think it was purely because of the, the the extreme stakes that were there, with the the fact that we knew City had lost? Um, because you know, after all, as you say, you know, when you're when you're able to look back on it and you you see you're still five points clear at the top of the table, uh, your things aren't as bad as perhaps they could uh, be made out to be online.
2: Yeah, I think it was a needless apprehension. If this was five games to go to the end of the season, and he was two points in it, then fully understandable, but I don't think it was called for, the apprehension within the crowd, and the fact that it's not been there, I don't think, this season very often, very, very few times, I've missed one home game this season, and I've got to say, the last few weeks, the atmosphere has been a lot better, Um because we, we've obviously got that little bit more confidence, we've, we've turned the corner in, in the half points of the season, and we're up there with Man City and then we've sort of gained a little gap so that the, there is a small air of confidence around the crowd and our last home game against Crystal Palace prior to this was obviously a topsy-turvy game which uh, we ended up coming out on top on. but it was a real raucous crowd you can feel even though Crystal Palace scored as soon as the goal went in, the cough got nice and loud, everyone was behind the players and they were there with the lads and it seemed last night it just it wasn't that and I don't think it was really anything you could put your finger on other than nervous complacency maybe, or maybe it was the cold weather. But I think next time that that does happen. I mean Klopp got onto it today and I think Virgil van Dijk also put a few quotes out saying the crowd need to be patient and stick with the lads and give them all the vocal support. So it's noted within the dressing room, so hopefully the fans themselves will pick up and note that if it's coming from two big figures within the team, the management, then take that on board. It, it, it's not, it's not over yet by, by any means. And we've got to drop points within two games just to let Man City back level with us. And they've got to win both of them games. So it, there's a lot of football that's, yeah, a lot of football left to be played. So it's one game at a time. It's the old adage, but five points clear, people just need to take a step back and relax and just get behind the lads so when they do seem to come up against a sticky situation because if anything, Leicester have give a print of what teams can do against us now. Other teams have came and tried and sit back on the ball and play counter attacking football and other teams have better quality than others but the way Leicester played the ball around the pitch they, they dominated in times and I think the midfield especially, we, we really looked overrun in midfield yesterday and we looked outnumbered all the time. We always seem to have one less man than that, what they did in the middle of the park. So it's something for Klopp to think about, but it's also something that other teams are going to take on board when they do come to on-field.
1: Yeah, no, I think, it's, I think it's important you mention that actually because I think one thing we have seen obviously he's he's been sort of a, a little bit of a, f- a fan favorite since he's coming to the side Shakiri um had some big moments already for us um but does seem to have cooled off a little bit of late and um one thing we do know Klopp is a little bit on him about is the fact that when you do play Shaqiri in, the, in that midfield you don't necessarily get the the level of work rate and uh, your positioning and cover that you get from let's say a, a Ginny Hendo uh even Fabinho midfield of course um and Fabinho missed out last night. I, I, I thought we really did um, sort of see just the difference he makes as well when he came onto the pitch later in the second half. But um, just focusing on on that aspect of things, then it, was anything from the game? Then you mentioned their letter, maybe met, you know, creating the blueprint or showing the blueprint for other uh, other sides to come to Anfield and get a result, or to just play against us in general. Um, do you have any concerns that are, you know, are going to linger from that game, or do you, or do you think it was? sort of a more of a a difficult situation just particularly because of the weather and and the injuries that we've got.
2: Yeah, I think it was more of a one-off situation really. I don't think we'll we'll encounter that that weather situation especially again. And I don't think we'll also come back from such a long period of time off we've also got a mass well not to say mass but we have got a bit of an injury crisis to do with the back and especially the right back and uh, position so um i don't think we all we'll encounter that too many times and if we do if anything we've learned which what we, well, we should learn from it um touching back on to shakiri for me he's somebody who he has a mass more of a massive impact when he comes on as a sub i think he, he runs his energy out pretty quickly he, he seems to want to do too many things now obviously he's there to to force a place in the team and he wants to impress at all times, but sometimes when we're at home and he started games, you kind of get the feeling he is, he's done by half time and he, he gets a bit flat in terms of his, his energy and his legs and his positioning can, can go astray. Obviously he's given the free roll and the license to, to move within the, the front four when he's, he's there, but he does seem to, to lose his position a few times. He popped up yesterday on the left hand side when Mane was there. But Salah had naturally drifted into the middle where Firmino was. And obviously that left Henderson exposed at right back. So I think the discipline is not quite there. And it's more of a, a luxury and something that when we're, we're chasing a game that you can bring them on and within the chaos of the last 15, 20, 25 minutes of a game. The fact that he'll roam about them, and that's when I think he's he's slightly more effective. But obviously, we've got a squad to work with, and everyone's got to get the game time. And Clough that was the right one for last night. But for myself, it was a it was a changing point when Fabinho did come on, and I know he's he struggled with. Uh, I think it was illness over the period that we were in Dubai, so he may not have been a hundred percent. But the difference when he came on the pitch last night was was evident to see, and hopefully. He's got a few days now. He can get back to one hundred percent, and he's got to be one of the first names on the team sheet when we go to the London Stadium next week.
1: You yeah, know, you definitely think so. I think he just has a has a huge impact in that in that midfield. And um, I guess the other thing to focus on as well is, uh, do you want to see Jordan Henderson at right back again? <laughs> really?
2: Well, anybody who's listened to any previous pods I've been on across the uh, the channel knows I'm not a massive Henderson fan. Um, but given Mr. what he did yesterday was a stellar performance in terms of playing out of position at right back. And he, he put a few real dangerous balls in that we, we didn't seem to anticipate getting on the end of it. I, I don't know whether that was, we didn't realize the quality of the cross he was going to deliver, but he did put a few good balls in. He's, he's got his limitations, obviously, as a right back. He seems to, to remind me of Nathaniel Klein, where you get the ball to feet and he's very square. He can't move his hips very much. It's very, you play the way you're facing sort of when you receive the ball, you play it back. He he needs the ball to be played in front of him. Maybe he's going to drive forward. So that was to his benefit last night. We've had a few times where we switched play and he he was able to run onto the ball. And that's when we seen the, the better attacking side of him. But when he is squared up face to face with the defender, uh, attacker, sorry. I would worry that if it was to be Miha Antonio or even Samuel Nasri, if he drifts out into that area, the little bit of trickery and they'll go by him because he he, he does come across very square in terms of his positioning. So for, for the right back next week, I don't think Trent will be ready. And if he's not even a hundred percent, I wouldn't rush him back because we've got a lot more important games to come across the season. So it, I'd, definitely hold off if he isn't 100%.
1: Would you be tempted Um, to put Camacho in?
2: I would have put Camacho in last night and give him a start and just tested the water. At the very worst, you could have brought him off and then changed him at half-time. You might have damaged the lad's confidence, but you don't know whether they'll sink or swim until you throw them in. And then the only other option we we could potentially have there is is us back from suspension. I think he's, he has the same limitations as such of Henderson in terms of his pace and his drive and, but he has the nouse and the savviness just to, to know when to take a foul. And unfortunately, he took two stupid ones against Crystal Palace. So if anything, he should learn from that. But that would be my go-to option. I think if we, if we are looking for somebody to play there, I'd, I'd probably go to James the next week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, looking at it, I mean, I, I see what you mean about Camacho as well. But I, I, I wonder whether actually I'd even be tempted to play Camacho there and then have Milner in the midfield anyway, knowing that if he, he could drift over to that side and give him the protection that, for example, you mentioned uh, shakiri's yeah, is never offering you that protection, really, is he ever. So um, just to give a youngster a, a helping hand like that, maybe that's a job Milner could do. But I, I do think it's going to be a challenge, at least until Trent goes back, because it is... It is a weakness and it's, there's no doubt teams are going to try and exploit it, of course. And, um, moving back to the midfield then, and you, you, you talked about Fabinho's importance there. Um, another player we saw who I thought, you know, did have a good game last night and, um, just really just can't overemphasize his, uh, his importance to the side this year is, uh, is Ginny Wanaldum, of course. I mean, what did you make of his performance last night? And do you think, again, it's, um, if fit him and Fabinho uh, first names on the team sheet in that midfield?
2: For me, yeah, definitely. them this season, his it, it's, his it's, it's place seemed to come with the for some reason last summer and I didn't really understand where that was coming from, whether it was just tabloids making a bit of a, a rumour mill or something like that. But for me, he's somebody who offers so much within our midfield and also our team. He, he can play four, five, six different positions if you really need them to. and. There was a, a, a rumor going around Switzerland last night that Wayne Alden was going to line up at right back, which would not have been a surprise because we did see one game last season when he did line up in the back three against Brighton away, um, with Emre Chan and Dayan Lovren. So yeah, he has got the flexibility to play there. He's got the ability yeah. on the ball. <laughs> um, but for me, it's his, his all-round midfield game. He he can do the six, he can do the ace, and if you really need him to, he, he will go back into the 10, which he started off as a youngster, so he knows so much within the game and I also find when I'm watching the game that his link up and his partnership with Van Dijk is quite key, Now, whether anyone else has picked up on this, but Van Dijk is a massive talker and you'll see he basically runs the game himself from the back of the pitch but when he's playing with Wijnaldum, he seems to have a lot more confidence to to give the ball to Wijnaldum and, and let him play through the midfield, where it seems when he's playing with Henderson or Milner, Van Dijk will bypass them and look to play into midfield himself. Now, maybe that's something that Van Dijk takes upon his own shoulders, that he knows Wijnaldum's game better than the other two. I don't know, but it just seems that he he has more confidence with Wijnaldum on the ball. And the key thing that I like with Ginny is his ability to to cover ground horizontally across the pitch he he gets from left to right really fast and Fabinho's the same and he, you're covering the full back spots obviously they like to bomb on and like you just mentioned with Milner um, covering if we did that Camacho there it's it's something that not many people will pick up on if you're watching the game progress forwards but their horizontal play across the pitch for me is is one of our key factors and one of our our weapons, really, that, that allows us to attack so much from the full-back position.
1: Yeah, it does make sense as well, I think, in, in terms of what you mentioned there about Ginny and and Van Dyke. Van Dyke also looked off sort, out, out of sorts last night as well. I, I know he was coming back from an illness as well, but definitely didn't seem to be his usual self um, last night. But yeah, Ginny, pr- probably older the midfielders we have. Um, maybe you can throw Kato into that as well, and we'll, we'll talk about him in a second. But yeah, players who do seem that like they've got the ability to receive the ball and then turn and maybe turn the way out of trouble. Um, Ginny's certainly one of those. I mean, just cause you were there last night as well, Jay, I mean, I'm really interested in what you thought of, of, of Nabi Cater's performance. Cause I think we're, we're all looking at Cater. I guess it's a, a bit harsh co- considering just how much of an interrupted season he's had in terms of having the injuries, not really having a run of games. Um, that, maybe that's what he needs, I guess, to get into, into the swing of things. But, and you wonder, can we allow that in, in such important, uh, in such an important season for us, of course? Um, and I think a lot of people as well have seen the YouTube highlights. They've seen all the fantastic stuff that we know we can do and they're just wanting to see a bit more of that arrogance. And we're not really seeing it at the moment, but what did you make of uh, his performance last night?
2: I I, I give him a solid six, seven out of ten, really. He, he was nervous at, at the start and he grew into the game and you could see. Once he, he gets that moment or two where he, he can get the ball at his feet, he can get his head up and he can shift past players so easily, he starts to drop his shoulder and he's gone. Um, and you could see once he gets a few of those runs together and he gets a bit more confidence and a couple of things he tried didn't come off, but at least he's trying them. Um, that again is one of my other gripes with Henderson is sometimes he just plays it too safe too often. Um, there was occasions even last night when you could have played a, a ball down the channel looking for Salah but it might have just gone inside to Van Dijk or Matip and yeah. you see that within the midfield but Keita looks to try and break the lines and if it fails the crowd sometimes last night would have gotten a little bit as we have mentioned before a little bit anxious and touchy and got onto his case but he he's got to try things it's his first season He he's Figuring out a new language, a new city, a new culture, new players. Um, I think last season didn't really help him in the fact that he was he was at Leipzig, but maybe his head was at Liverpool, and he sort of got lost and tumbled along throughout the season. So, I think we'll see the best of Naby Keaton next season when he he probably settles down and he gets more runs of games. He I don't think he actually will start on Monday. Um, I think he'll be back on the bench, but that's one of his problems, or one of the problems that we're facing with him is he's not playing week in, week out. He's getting 65, 70 minutes one week. Then he might get 10 or 15 from the bench the week next, and then he might not be in the team. And uh, Players talk about rhythm, Klopp talk about rhythm, so if he's not getting the rhythm of the games to play, then it's a bit harsh if we are jumping on his back and criticising him for for inconsistency because he's not getting a consistent run to see. We've got to we've got to look at the bigger picture and cause his dues and give him give him time to settle in. And as I say, I think next season we'll see the more navigated of YouTube if that's what you want to put it as that yeah. we've seen. Um. So yeah, that it's it's a work in progress. It's not like we're, we're short and we're. We're playing him week in, week out, and because he's, he's really trying to find form. We've got the luxury that we have got other players there. So he's a project that we can work with, and he, he's only a young lad. So we've still got a lot of time left with there. That'd be cases to come, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think the excitement comes as well from just imagining if we could get him into some sort of form before the end of the season, it, it could make the difference, you know, because we, we do know sort of the, the, the ability that he, he possesses. As you mentioned, um, able to sort of glide past players. With ease at times when he's in full flow. And um, I even re- remember his performance against uh, West Ham, actually. I remember, I remember him having a, a really sort of solid start in that game, and you just wondered how it could, things could have turned out differently if he hadn't picked up that injury. Um, but yeah, I think it will be interesting to see whether he, whether or not he plays. I, I do reckon that you're probably right there in terms of um, Ginny back, uh, Fabinho, if he's fully fit as well. You imagine he slots into that midfield, and then Henderson. Um, provided he's not playing right back again, you'd imagine it's going to be alongside them, but there could be a surprise. So I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how much he can contribute for us for the remainder of the season. But moving on to the game itself, and you heard what Tom mentioned earlier in the pod about how he thinks uh, Pellegrini would like to approach it, how he's probably going to approach it with the injuries. Um, how do you expect Klopp to, to go for this game then, you know, given what we've come off of that sort of disappointing draw, um, probably keen to get back in uh, on the winning front and um, not necessarily the easiest of games because of the way in which West Ham can counter and, and the players we've, we've mentioned but without Arnautovic that should, it should, it should certainly be um, easier than it would have been with him, right?
2: You would like to think so. I mean, Arnautovic is probably their key danger man um, mixed in with Felipe Anderson as well but I think we, we'll go back to what I tried and trusted was is the four three three. Um, obviously we've had a discussion who could be right back. It could be Milner, it could be Henderson, it could be Camacho, or if some miraculous recovery, Trent is back. Um, and across the back line, I think we might actually see Dayan Lovren come back in. Um, there was times last night when Massive, he didn't do much wrong, but he dwelled on the ball one too many times for me, and he seems to get nervous especially away from home, he doesn't fill you with bags of confidence. I think if, you, if you'd had the ability of Matip at times mixed with the heart and the passion of day and love then you would have a really good centre-half. So I think away from home in a in a more testing atmosphere as long as Lovren can hold his head then I think he's probably the better choice to be slotted in next week. Uh, obviously Van Dyke and Robertson. And then I think we all the the midfield two of Ginny and Fabinho, and then it's a question of who plays right back, who plays midfield. Obviously with Henderson and Milner. I don't think Cater or Shaqiri will start, and then we'll go with the front three. I think we'll just try and get back to what we know and what we've we've played in the past. It seems that when when push comes to shove and we have a big game, Klopp will revert back to the four three three because it's the system that he's played with for the most time and what the players are most used to so I'd fully expect us to go back to that next week um, and that also gives us the options from the bench should Shaqiri uh, Keita Sturridge Origi uh, be on the bench but one man who shouldn't is uh, Adam Lolana.
1: I thought you were going to mention <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what did you make of his yeah, uh, it... cameo last night Ooh,
2: it was about as cameo as a donkey and a Christmas Bantamang. Um <laughs> but he he's just, he's pointless, if, if anything. Um, he comes on, he runs around, me and me mates have a laugh and a joke at the game. If Lallana's subbed on, it's from what point that he's subbed on, what minute will we see the first creeps in? And that that's our entertainment and watching Adam Lallana at the moment and Liverpool, when will the first Cruyff in?
1: It's a reliable come? drinking game. It actually is. It is a pretty it reliable is. drinking game, I have to admit, actually, at this stage.
2: Yeah, um, But he just, I mean, he just seems to have been passed by. Uh, The the team has has, has gone past him, and it's it's not his fault. He's done injuries, he's had, and he got rushed back a few years ago, as we all know, under Rogers, and I think that did sort of have a critical damage on him. He didn't ever recover to that half a yard that he did have in his armory, and. He doesn't seem to progress us anywhere. He'll get the ball and he might go five yards forward, but he'll go 10 yards left or 10 yards right. And we don't seem to get any further up the pitch. And the fact that we took Naby Case off, he was growing into the game and we know Keita's ability to drive with the ball and he will, he'll try and get the ball off quickly and play the one two. And obviously we, we've seen last night, he should have had a penalty. Um, I don't think we'll ever see that from Milana. Not anymore. His ability to, to play a one-two around the corner and drive into the box. and He he needs to be moved on in the summer, and I think he will be moved on. He, he does seem like he's 6th, 7th choice in the midfield now, so I don't want to diss the lad, but I don't really want to see him any more times in a red shirt unless we really, really have to.
1: Yeah, you, I, I think you know in your heart of hearts, though, uh, Jay, he's probably going to do a few more interviews before before the season's over. <laughs> I think, let's be honest, just based on how often he he does seem to be in the press. But um, uh, Tom, I mean, do you, do you have any metaphor for Adam Adam Lallana? What what is Adam Lalana? Is is there an, is there an Adam Lallana, <laughs> Adam Lallana in the West End squad?
0: Um, I yeah, no, I, I don't know. It's a weird one. He. Is a player who I liked a lot when he was coming through at Liverpool when he was at Southampton. And, um, yeah, just, it feels like, as you say, he, he was the sort of a player who was good for Liverpool where they're at when they signed him. And now he's maybe been bypassed a bit.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty much Cruyff turned bingo, I guess, at the moment with Adam. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure also he has, he has missed a, a ton of games through injury as well. I think people really don't. Um, fully appreciate just how many games he's, he's not been available for. So, yeah, I, I think as Jay mentions, there's six or seven choice in midfield. It's, 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 likely he'll, he'll move on in the summer mm-hmm. as well. But, um, uh, Tom, in terms of sort of key battles for, for Monday, then, I mean, where do you, where do you see sort of the key area being for you guys? Is it going to be that midfield, uh, and whether you can wrestle control from, from, from time to time, or is it going to be, um, what we spoke about earlier in terms of getting those wide players to really try and exploit, um, I guess, the weakness at right-back, but just generally try and exploit um, the space and uh, look to counter effectively.
0: Um, yeah, so just quickly before this, can I go on record to say I'm not anti-Croif turn? I'm, I'm, if anything, extremely pro-Croif so turn. In, a turn in, in,
1: in the middle of the pitch, though, for no reason. A
0: turn anywhere, yeah. <laughs> Croif turns and nutmegs are the two things that anywhere on the pitch, so i <laughs> Uh in terms of the key battles, uh yeah, it's um it depends on what West Ham do in the midfield, whether it's you know, in the same way Liverpool have been using Shakira occasionally in the midfield three, West Ham have been doing that with Snodgrass, and I think that would be a mistake against Liverpool's midfield. Um I think this is the game to go with if possible a three of uh of Noble Rice and Obian uh, just to stay solid in the midfield three trying to limit what Liverpool can do in that sense, and then yeah, as, as I think all of us had mentioned earlier on, the right back versus West Ham end up playing on the left is uh, feels like the only way West Ham are going to get anything out of the game.
1: And Jay, who 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 are you looking at from from Liverpool to really sort of take the take the mantle on Monday? I mean Mane. I mean we've not really mentioned him too much, but he was the one player who I looked at yesterday and thought he was lively, he was sharp. Um, are you looking to see more from Salah again? It did seem quite quiet yesterday,
2: quite oddly. Yeah, he did. Um I mean money I think it's been mentioned maybe on several pods that he always seems to have a mid season holiday, if that, if you could put it as that. Yeah. Between the between about the end of October and the end of January. He just seems to he's, there. he's there, but he's there he's, he's not he's, really <laughs> Yeah, I mean he just seems to float around and he chips in with a few goals, which he has done, but he doesn't seem to do much else and he kicks on in the second half of the season. So hopefully last night he, he did seem to have to bit between his teeth and he wanted to get at the fullback, which there's some games he'll, he'll stand at a fullback and he stops the ball and then he doesn't seem to know what he's going to do. Nobody knows what he's going to do. And then sometimes it, it can be a bit of invention and he'll drift past them or he'll, keep his players safe, but I think if, if Zabalessa is going to play right-back, uh, I think Tom mentioned that, uh, he would probably feature at the right-back position. Um, that's an area that we could exploit. Obviously, we've mentioned our weakness at right-back, that uh, the pace of Mane against Zabalessa, you'd fancy he would get the best of them uh, more times than he wouldn't. And I'd like to see Firmino a bit more. He, he seems to have drifted again through the middle of the season, a bit like Manny, he has some nine out of ten games and then he has some six out of ten games and he just gets by. So it seems as though one of our front three will have a good game and then the other two have a quiet game. I'd like to see two or three of them have a good game. And if two of them have a good game, I, I would, I would say I'd probably fancy our chances to come out of uh, the game with a good positive result.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, go- I'm just going to go forward and. Uh, presume that Tom does not want to see two out of those three have, have a good <laughs> game because I think he's seen it in the past. It's not been, it's not been great. At, uh, if I think back to that, uh, uh, counters from corner kicks, I do, uh, we haven't seen yeah. enough of those this season for sure. But I guess then to put you guys on the spot then, I mean, Tom, I'll come to you first. I mean, what are you, what's, what's your heart saying? What's your head saying?
0: I mean, my heart saying we can maybe do what we did to Arsenal, catch them for an off day and somehow sneak something, but. I, I don't see us even scoring a goal in this game with uh, just, you know, Liverpool have their their performance against Leicester. They're not going to do that twice in a row. They're going to, you know, just come out firing. I think Milner potentially being back is going to be a big deal as well. And yeah, I, I can't see anything besides Liverpool winning this.
1: Milner tussling with Martin Noble in midfield. It's, <laughs> a, it's a battle of the ages. Jay, I mean, what are you expecting <laughs> as well in terms of the in terms of the result, I mean, you, you mentioned there, if two out of those three um, up top play well, you, you see it being a positive result for us. Tom's mentioned you, you can't see us um, you're putting in two lacklustre performances in a row. Do you think this will be sort of a, um, the Reds looking to respond to what happened uh, last night?
2: I would very much like to, uh, to think so, yeah. I mean, the, mentioned mentioned Milner and Noble, that's like a Brexit battle altogether in itself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, um, I would like to think that we will go there and as we've done in previous seasons knock a few goals in, but I quite happily shake hands and take a 2-0 victory now, get out of there with no injuries and then move on to the following weekend. Um A clean sheet would be nice as well, we've not had one for a couple of games now so um Van Dijk should be 100% it seems, to so it, it would just be an illness yesterday and um, a clean sheet obviously would also Fill the, the lads with confidence again. We seem to sort of have just lost our way. Alisson last night seemed to hesitate a couple of times, if you could say, on the ball. A few t- he'd done some really good stuff. He, he rushed out of his box a couple of times and sweeped up at the back, but a couple of times he did seem to just dwell one second too long on the ball. So it'd be nice to just see him get a clean seat and get his confidence back up as well.
1: Yeah, no more snow. Uh, sort of very routine 2-0 is exactly what I... I'd be after for sure, and I think um, yeah, as you mentioned, various players, getting back to 100%, uh, it should be um, you'd imagine a far more focused performance than we saw at times last night. It did seem a little bit frenetic, but, uh, anyway, guys, well, thank you so much for sort of helping preview the game, sort of, um, Tom for all the insight on West Ham as well, and sort of how, how your season's progressed under Pellegrini and Jay. Great to get you on the pod as well. So, um, to hear your thoughts on Liverpool as well. Um, j- just want to say to everyone who's, who's listening, thanks so much. Of course, th- throughout the season, it's been a real, real journey so far and of course it's, it, it, it's looking like it's going to be even more of an exciting one right until the last game of the season so thanks so much for listening and um, we'll be back again next week uh, so yeah, be sure to tune in then
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.